Let's turn in our Bibles this morning. I want you to go with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Now, we've got a great group of veterans in this church, huh? My goodness. You know, did you recognize some of those teenagers in those pictures? And <laughs> That's fun. I wish we even had some more of those. That was, that, that was a lot of fun. Where are the rest of you guys? Didn't you send your pictures in? And we want to see you. We'll work on that. And uh, again, thank you, Will and Audrey, for putting that together, making it happen. And we appreciate it so much. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to continue my series. Uh, began last week on the spirit of thanksgiving. The spirit of of thanksgiving, not just the holiday, not just the turkey day, but a lifestyle, right? A lifestyle of giving thanks to God. One of the most important elements of an overcoming Christian life is the place of giving thanks to God in our lives. It's, it's just critically, critically important. First Thessalonians 5, where you're finding that, and, and we're going to begin in verse number 12. Let me just remind you, ladies, this is the last day today uh, to get your tickets to the holiday banquet, the big event coming up Tuesday night. Our ladies, there are several hundred ladies will be here. It's a highlight of the year. Uh, it's a great opportunity to bring a friend with you, a family member. The tickets are in the commons area. As you exit, it is the last opportunity to do that so plans can be made for Tuesday evening and I'm looking forward to this Wednesday night I'm going to continue my got question series we have hit the hard questions like homosexuality and transgenderism we've talked about divorce and remarriage we've looked at how should Christians vote we've we we've we've tied into some big ones we haven't been afraid we we're going to continue to uh, I'll continue Wednesday night uh, we have uh, real-time questions you can ask me while we're ongoing on Wednesday. Now, we turn that off when I leave on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. All right. But it's live Wednesday night while it's going. And uh, got questions. Wednesday night at 630. It will be a great time. We have student ministry events going on and children at that same time. So don't miss that. The spirit of Thanksgiving. Uh, again, let me say this before I read First Thessalonians 5. Uh, I believe that it, that the giving of thanks is many times a missing ingredient in getting your prayers answered. I believe that giving thanks is one of the missing ingredients in releasing faith and hope in your life when you're walking through a difficult time. Uh, the ability to give thanks and bring that in any situation is, is one of the most important areas in being in God's will in your life. We're about to read that. So we want to be in God's will. We want to see our prayers answered. We want to be encouraged and release faith and hope when we're walking through a tough issue. Uh, giving thanks is one of the fundamental issues that helps us accomplish that. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 12. Uh, th what These little bullet statements here, I love the way the Holy Spirit used Paul to end this letter to the church in Thessalonica. Look at, look at this incredible information. Follow along with me. Verse 12. Now we ask you brothers to respect those. I mean every sentence is a, is a declaration. Respect those who work hard among you. Who are over you in the Lord. And who admonish you. Verse 13. Hold them in highest regard and love. Because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Verse 14. We urge you brothers. Warn those who are idle. You know what I find out? Idle people are negative people. You know, if you're not connected to something bigger than you, you're going to fall for something smaller than you. How many heard what I just said? So the Bible talks about the danger of being idle. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're too young to have a job. I don't know when that was. My dad didn't know. My father never heard of the child labor laws. Anybody have a dad like that? 
<laughs> we didn't enforce those at our house. We were there. But, but we can be busy serving God in any circumstance. Amen? So he says, what do we find here? Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. What incredible, what an incredible lifestyle the Christian lifestyle is. Amen? Thank God for the Christian lifestyle. But then let's go to verse 18. Uh, we read this, or verse 16, excuse me. Be joyful always. Pray continually. And then verse 18. Look at this. Give thanks in all circumstances. Did the Bible say for all circumstances? No. He said in all circumstances. Now look at this. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Every believer wants to live their life in God's will. If you're not sure what God's will is, start giving thanks at that moment. And you're going to be in the will of God. It's powerful. Now, I want to see this. Uh, you guys got this from the Amplified Translation, verse 18. I had them load this in so we could just get a little better view of this. First Thessalonians 5.18, Amplified. Look at this. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, all right, be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that again. In every situation. Aren't you thankful this covers everything? Say every. Every situation. No matter what the circumstances. All right? So, so being thankful applies in every day, in every situation. There are not many things that you can say this about. And I know a lot of people think, well, that's not very deep or that. Oh, come on. You know, can I tell you what deep is? Deep is how far your foundation goes down. You want to show me a deep Christian? I, I can identify deep Christians. Sometimes they're kind of super spiritual people I meet in my life. But the deep people are people with a foundation. The deepest part of the house is the foundation. So you want to be deep. This is a deep principle here. All right. Be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's what we do. So I want to illustrate this to you today. Let's go to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. A very interesting, powerful psalm. Uh, literally, we read this Psalm 126 is actually a song, which most of the psalms are, of course. It's a song. It's a song about people coming out of a terrible situation and how they respond to that. This spirit of thanksgiving, how we give thanks in all circumstances, how what giving thanks, you know, reminds us of God's provision it reminds us of God's restoration. Has God provided for anybody in this room today? Would you have to say God's provided? We should be thankful. We need to be thankful. Has God restored anything to anybody around here? Isn't he the God of restoration? You know the biblical definition of restoration is what? God makes it better than it was before. Wow. You know, God's not Humpty Dumpty putting the pieces back together again. He's God. He's making it better than it ever was before. So we give thanks because he's the God of provision. He's the God of restoration. We give thanks because it steadies us. Some, you, you get that? It steadies me. Why do I need to be steady? Well, when I'm walking through those situations where my answer is being delayed, how do I stay strong? Giving thanks steadies me. 
it gets my eyes on God and I'm reminded of his faithfulness. You understand that? When I'm having to go through a delay, giving thanks steadies me. Because sometimes our answers are delayed. Um, it steadies me when my circumstances aren't good. Anybody ever had some bad circumstances? Yeah, but aren't you thankful we don't live under the circumstances? Isn't that a phrase we use? Well, under the circumstances, no, you and I are on top of the circumstances, right? It doesn't mean we don't go through some rough ones, but God's bigger. So we steady ourselves when we're waiting. We steady ourselves when, when, when circumstances aren't good. We're going to see the word tears in this psalm. We steady, it steady ourselves when things are so rough, you're in tears. Did you know you can give thanks while you're shedding tears at the same time? You're not thanking Him for the tears. You're thanking him that he's God that was with you before this. We sang it in our worship song, didn't we? And he's God that's going to be with us after this. But the good news, he's God right in the middle of this thing with us. So you can give thanks even with tears coming out of your eyes. We're thankful. Because this is what I've discovered. Has anybody discovered this? Sometimes getting from where I am to the answer to that prayer, the fulfillment of that promise, sometimes it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Is that truth? Come on, tell the truth. Weren't some of your journeys harder than you thought they were going to be? All right. And, and, and sometimes didn't it take longer than you had anticipated? Anybody ever had to wait a little bit? So sometimes it was a little harder than I thought it was going to be. I think sometimes God doesn't show us everything on the front end. Because we might not start the journey. Anybody ever understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's harder than I thought it was going to be. It took me longer than I thought it was, it was going to take. But listen to this. Here's what this is about. That's why we keep giving thanks. Not only because what God has done, but because what he's going to do. Because even though it was hard to get there and took me a while to arrive, I'm going to continue to give thanks because when I received the reward, it was greater than I ever imagined it was going to be. See, that's what serving God does. So it's hard sometimes. We wait sometimes. But when God does it, it's even better than we imagined. Can anybody say amen to that? It's better than we imagined. It was worth the journey. So Psalm 126 is about, it's a song of giving thanks to God. And it's talking about a season of captivity. Look at verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. Zion is a name for Jerusalem, for the city of God. So we're, we're, we're finding a song about a people who had been in captivity. What had happened? Well, for many years, if you've read through the Old Testament, you read first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles and first and, you know, and, and, and first and second Samuel, and you're watching this degradation of the faith in God in the nation of Israel, their kings began to turn their back on God. Their priests even became unfaithful. The people weren't serving God. And generation after generation, it came until it reached a point where God said, I cannot protect you any longer. I cannot underwrite your rebellion any longer. I cannot become codependent with your rebellion. How many understand what I'm saying? God said, I still love you and I still want to bless you. But if I keep blessing you and living this lifestyle, I will begin to enable you living this lifestyle. Do you know a lot of people are, are concerned about, you know, something will happen. They say, I think God is judging me. I think what literally is happening is God's finally letting you face the reality of the decisions you've been making. 
you're beginning to reap what you've sown. That's what Israel did. God had warned them with, with prophets and men of God and women of God, prophetesses, who told them, turn back to God. Turn your hearts back to God. You're sinning. You're rebelling. You're disobedient. You are failing to serve God. And time after time, they refused to believe that. And what happened? God says, I can't protect you anymore. I can't keep blessing your rebellion. Have you ever had to do that as a parent? You understand that principle, don't you? There comes a time if your child's disobedient, 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 disobedient. You have to do something. Or you're enabling their disobedience. You have to draw a line and say, I can't keep doing it. Uh, you're not going to like it, but I love you too much to let you keep living like this. I love you too much to keep enabling you, paying for you, supporting you in this lifestyle. And so they had arrived there. It was about 586 when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians invaded, 586 B.C. When they invaded Jerusalem, God's people had never been defeated once they'd taken that promised land. They'd never lost. They'd never had their city defeated and Jerusalem overrun. But the Babylonians came in and not only just sacked the city and, and took everything that was good, tens of thousands of the Israelites were taken captive. That's what this psalm's about. All the way to Babylon. Daniel was in that group, one of those groups. Foreign land, strange people, unknown tongue, religion that was demonic and ungodly. And they found themselves slaves in this foreign land. They, they, they were sad. It was distressing and it, it was awful. Uh, but, but watch what happens, verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captives. So this, this is talking about not only the captivity... But, but something happened. He said, when the Lord brought us back, we were like men who dream. Isn't that a powerful statement? He said, it had been so bad. And when deliverance and freedom came, it was like we were dreaming. He said, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. He said, we were like people dreaming. It was so good. It was so wonderful. We, we could hardly believe it was true. And we worshiped and we sang. But how did God free them from Babylonian captivity? The amazing story. The Babylonians were defeated in, in, a, in an unprecedented, unorthodox military procedure. You see, Babylon had ruled the known world and nobody had been their equal. But a new king was rising over the Medes and the Pers Persians named Cyrus. And Cyrus marched his armies to the gates of Babylon. And no army had ever been able to break the walls and defeat the city. But Cyrus was on assignment. He was an ungodly king. He did not fear God. But they began to put a strategy together. And they noticed that these walls that were unscalable and unpenetrable, that that wasn't the way they were going to win. But, but the city of Babylon was famous for its hanging gardens and its beauty. And a river actually ran under the wall and through the city. And Cyrus said, you see that river? We're going to dam that river up. And we're going to block it. And while the Babylonians are feasting, you can read about it in Daniel. And celebrating, we're going to block up the river and we're going to march in that city. Under the wall, on the dry riverbed and defeat them during the night. And God allowed this king named Cyrus to come up with the most innovative plan. But here's what I want you to see. And why, Pastor, why do you give me a history lesson? It's going to be worth the lesson. Just stay with me here, all right? See, I came to church, not history class. Come on, come on. God's in history. You're going to love what you're about to learn. 
It's why we give thanks even when we're in captivity. It's why when you get out of captivity, you say, it's like a dream. It's so good, all I can do is sing. It's so good, I'm just full of joy. So Cyrus marches in and defeats the Babylonians and takes over that area of the world. And here are these tens of thousands of Jewish slaves languishing in Babylon. And when Cyrus comes in and defeats them, when they said, it's impossible to defeat this city and this nation, someone showed King Cyrus, come on, listen to this, 200-year-old prophecies from Isaiah. Now, Cyrus is not a Jew. He's a Persian. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't fear man. He just led one of the most innovative defeats of a a heretofore thought undefeated army in the world. And here he is settling in as king. And someone brings him the book of Isaiah and says, You need to read this. Put up with me Isaiah 44. Uh, let, let me see. I want to make sure I got my... Yeah, Isaiah 44, verse 28. Look at this. Isaiah 44, 28. Who says of Cyrus? There's his name. 200 years before he was born. Are you getting this? 200 years before he's born. Who says of Cyrus? <laughs> Look at God. No, you, you gotta, I'm have, you're going to have to work with me. He was an ungodly heathen. But God was going to use him. To accomplish his purposes. I'm going to tell you, God will go to great extents to answer the prayers of his people. Watch this. He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will save Jerusalem. Let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundation be laid. Look at chapter 45, verse 1. Look at this with me. This is what the Lord says to his anointed. I don't understand it. Here's an ungodly, idol-worshiping heathen. God said, I'm going to anoint that rascal. I'm going to use that no good. Because i got a bigger purpose. Huh? Whose right hand I take hold of. To subdue nations before him. And to strip kings of their armor. To open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. Let, let's go to one more verse. Let's look at verse number 13 here. 45, 13. I will raise up Cyrus. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will, why? Because he will rebuild my city. He will set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. So here's what I want you to see. Maybe you've been walking through a season in your life that is characterized by captivity, by difficulty, by waiting, by struggle, by circumstances you don't like and delays to the answer of your prayer. But I have some really good news for you and me and every believer today is that it's simply this. Just like God spoke a man's name 200 years before he was born and raised him up and used him to defeat Nebuchadnezzar, not because Cyrus was great not because he was so wise but because God had told his people I'm going to set you free I'm going to bring you out I'm going to return you to your city and so here's what I want you to know sitting in this place today watching me on this platform today listening to this moment right now 
God is already in your future. He is already working a plan. You haven't even got there. He already has an answer for a prayer you haven't prayed. He already has worked out the circumstances for something that you don't even know is going to happen yet. Somebody hasn't even been born. But when they are, they'll be born at the right time in the right place. And they will go find my grandchildren and my grandchildren grandchildren and they will lead them out and bring them in and the devil will be defeated again and God is who he says he is every time my goodness 200 years somebody says hey king you might want to read this can you imagine the shock that ungodly heathen said my God that's my name what does it say I'm supposed to do? Supposed to set those people free. He said, cut them loose. He said, you're supposed to rebuild the city. He said, give them some money. He said, you're supposed to make sure it happens. Protect them while they're going there. My goodness. Right now. Right now. You said, oh, Pastor, that's exciting. But let me tell you, I just guess I need to back up a little bit. Because not only is he in my future... Not only is in your future and he's working a plan for your good at this very moment. See, he saw today before today got here. See, it's not just next month, next year, next decade. I want you to know your today is no mistake in the eyes of God. The devil can be fighting you and working against you. Now listen, if you don't believe in God, I, and you know, just in the words of Alabama, bless your heart. Oh, that's all I got for you today. You don't believe in God, bless your heart. You, you get some more insurance and uh, do something, pal, because it's on you. And you don't have to believe me. It doesn't matter to me. Because you believe in me or not believing in me doesn't affect that I'm believing in God. And you liking or not liking the Bible or believing or not believing the Bible or believing in God or not believing in the God or lining up Professor so-and-so who does or doesn't believe in God. For everyone you can find that doesn't believe, I'll find you one that does. For everybody who still believes in the theory of being disproved evolution, I can show you men and women of God who have more uh, IQ and degrees than the guys you touch and they know what the Word of God is true has been proved time and again. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to say, I feel a spirit of resistance in what I'm saying. So I'm just not going to back up on it. I'm going to come right in its face and I'm going to tell you my God is who he says he is. He will do what he said he would do. And if you doubt it, that's on you. I'm going to believe it and I'm going to see God do what he said he would do. Before I got to November 2018, before you were born, before you got to this place, God has already been here. God has already walked through this moment. God has already put the things in place. There is a Cyrus. God is raising up in your life to do what no one else could do. And the reason it's good there's a Cyrus is because there's a God who raised up a Cyrus. It makes me see, it, listen, if God can't find a godly person to do it, he'll raise a heathen up to take care of you. So you know what this does for me? I don't want some heathen taking my place. I don't want God to look at North Alabama and say, I couldn't find anybody to tell the truth down there. I couldn't find a church to do what was right. I couldn't find a church to give to kingdom builders and do the right thing and feed the hungry and take care of those that are tired. So I had to go for, get the heathen to do it. Not on our watch. Come by to somebody and say, not on our watch. I got to hurry. Okay. 
I'm just enjoying that God's working. Come on, how many of you are thankful God's working? So let's go to verse 1 again. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. See now, we were like men who dream. I mean, one day they're captives. And they wake up the next day and some guy has walked in under the wall on a dry riverbed. And, and he says, you know what? You can go. Excuse me? You can go. I mean, what do you mean? Just go. You can go home. We can go home. Yeah. It's like we were dreaming. <laughs> it's like a dream. I woke up from a bad night and God said, go home. You know what God's going to say to, to, to your captivity today? To your prodigal sons and daughters today? To the things we, we are believing, to the graves that seem dead. God says, just go home. Get up and go home. You're going to go home. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to turn it around. He said, we're like men that dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongue was songs of joy. God said, you're going to sing again and laugh again. And joy is going to come again. Then was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were filled with joy. Verse Four, he says it again. Now, the New International Translation says, Restore our fortunes. Verse 4. The, the uh, King James says, Bring back the captives. Same word that was used in verse 1. Bring back the captives, God. Bring them back. Notice what we read here. Bring back the captives. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. What, what, what he says, it's, it's like in the desert. In the southern desert, the Negev of Israel, it's dry and barren. But but what you have to pay attention is like some places in California, in Arizona, places like that, where it's barren and desert-like. But if you get a thunderstorm, you better not be camping in the uh, riverbed. Because where there's no water, you got a flood coming on you all of a sudden. And, and it comes quickly and it goes quickly. But he said, when you restore the captives, it's like... The desert in the Negev. It is like one day there was no water and the next day God brought something into your life. He brought refreshing. He said that the captives are coming back. There, there, there is blessing. And, and, and this word, uh, I want you to notice he says, bring back. Uh, bring back the captives. Restore the captives. Uh, bring them back to us. This, this word, I, I did a little look at this word, uh, bring back. And the word captivity it has several meanings. The captivity thing means to be carried away. It, it's a picture, a, a word picture of like a person who's been injured in an automobile accident. And, and they've been rendered physically incapable of movement. And they came in and put them on a gurney and put them in an ambulance and they carried him away. There was nothing you could do about it. There may have been some moments in your life where you've been carried away. Where it wasn't your fault. Where there was nothing you could do about it. Where your captivity was a result of someone coming in in a moment where you were rendered weak and incapable of defending yourself. And life came in and picked you up and carried you into captivity. Maybe you were a child abused. Maybe you were a, a, a marriage partner betrayed. Maybe you were in a business deal and your partner lied to you and stole your resources. Maybe it was a moment where, where that you could not imagine and you were betrayed by somebody close. This word captive, one meaning means to be carried away. You were helplessly carried to another place. 
Another definition of this word means to be led away. But it wasn't a kind leading away like you would take someone's hand and lead them. This led away is the picture of what the of the Babylonians and the Persians did to their captives. It's how the Israelites were taken into captivity. They were led away. What does that mean? Ropes and chains were put around their necks. And they were led like cattle to Babylon. They were led away. They were led. They were made a parade of. The ropes and the chains were chafing their necks and strangling them if they fell down and didn't keep pace. And they were humiliated, put on display, brought into the city like animals. Sometimes life just leads you into a place bound. Maybe an addiction. Maybe an anger, maybe a bitter spirit, maybe unforgiveness, maybe a a situation has grabbed you and wrapped its power around you and you are being drugged through life against your will like a captive. The Bible says God knows what those moments are like in your life. Another definition here of, of captivity, one is to be carried away helplessly, and one is to be led away and embarrassed and, 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 and drugged through life. Another means to be driven away. It means you know what you want. You're trying to get it. You see it in front of you, but you're being driven away. Something stronger than you keeps you from getting where you want to go. You keep trying. You ever felt that way? You keep reaching and you circle around and you try to come at it from another direction and it drives you away. You know it's there. You know that's what you want and you keep being driven back away from it. This captive word of final inflection means to be simply taken away. The picture is as a thief. John 10, 10, the thief, Satan, it comes only to what? Steal and kill and destroy. It means that he stole Something He came and literally grabbed you and took you away. And we find ourselves in those places like the Israelites were in those places. And, 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 and this is what it says to the captives. Look with me, please, in verse number 5 in Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears. You've come to tears. You've been made captive. Life has wounded you, captured you, addicted you. Uh, we, you know, not all the addiction in the American society is from drugs and alcohol. Are you understanding? Depression, fear, hatred, insecurity, prejudice, anger, violence, greed, pride, fear. They go on and on. These addictive, holding, captivating issues that are in our society today. And then he says that sometimes, you know, he's praying, verse 4, Oh God, bring back our captives, restore our fortune like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears, come on, look at this. Here's your hope, here's the message. Here's what these captives that were in Babylon and miraculously set free by the preordained provision of God. They said, everybody who's crying, everybody who's captive, everybody who's waiting, let me say, those who sow in tears will reap. With songs of joy. You're crying now, but your joy is coming. Can anybody say amen? He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. He's, listen, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but here's what he said. This is for anybody waiting. He says, what happened? Maybe the answer hasn't come yet. We need to have a spirit of thanksgiving. Maybe we're still waiting. Maybe we're actually are crying now. 
We're, we're, we're in tears now. But, but see, he said, these are not just people crying in pain. Watch this. Watch this. The uncomfortable things are there. But he says, those who what? Verse 5, those who what? They're doing what? They're sowing. Somebody see that. You see that? Those is it. Verse 4. Those who what? Sow with their tears. Now, anybody can cry. But not everybody's willing to sow while they're crying. That's how we get out of captivity. That's how life begins to change. That's why giving thanks is dropped right in the middle of this whole situation. It's why we have to understand the spirit of thanksgiving. Because let's look at this. Those who sow in tears. It's not just the pain of the, of the problem. It's, it's the action going with it. And, and, and so here's what they're saying. There's, there, it's a difficult moment. It doesn't seem like the right time to be sowing. It doesn't seem like the right moment to be investing in my future. It doesn't seem like the right moment to believe and have hope. But God says, anybody with me? If while I'm crying, I will keep sowing. If while the wind's blowing in my face and the promise seems out of my reach and it looks like a bad day to sow and it looks like the wrong time to have hope, God says, if... Those who sow with tears, you will reap some joy that's coming in your life. And so I have to decide. I'm crying today, but I don't want to live the rest of my life crying. I'm crying right now. It's hurting right now. I don't like right now, but I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to come in and I'm going to go out. I'm thankful the Bible says a lot of times, and it came to pass. Aren't you thankful it didn't come to stay? <laughs> huh? Came to pass. Kind of like some of your in-laws at the holidays coming up. Anyway, let's know the story. It, it didn't come to stay. They came to pass. Nice to see you. Wouldn't want to be you. Let's keep going on down the road. See, so, so what happens? He says, look, look. He says, I'm crying, but I'm sowing. You, you see that? I, I'm sowing. Those that sow in tears. Those that are going to sow. Listen, here's, here's the picture. I, I love this. This, the, the Hebrew language is so descriptive and you, you dig in a little here. He said, those who sow in tears will reap with joy. The picture here is, is, uh, the, the way they sowed in that day and their, to, to bring a harvest was not all this sophisticated machinery we have today. You know how they sowed? Had a big bag of seed over their shoulder and they carried the seed in a bag. And they reached in the bag and scattered seed. You had to carry the seed on your shoulder. Had to scatter the seed. And, 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 and the, the, the language literally says bags of seed. Okay. Wasn't just one. It wasn't a little, you know, that little package you get down at the co-op of flower seed. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about that little 50 cent package. You understand in your sweet little garden. In your little windowsill herb garden. Come on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a 50-pound bag over both shoulders. Anybody with me? And the wind's blowing. And it's hot. And it hadn't rained in a while. And you're crying because you're tired. Come on. Anybody with me? And nobody's helping you. And it seems like, why am I doing this? And you're carrying this bag of seed. And there are tears running down your face. And your neighbors think you're crazy. But they're in the house and you're in the field. And what are you doing? I'm scattering seed. I'm sowing seed. 
I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. That man's crazy. Yeah, but I've got joy coming. That man's lost his mind, but I've got joy coming. That lady must have lost it. Look, she got up your neighbors looking through the blinds at you today and say, I know what's going on in her family. And look, she got up and went to church anyway. What kind of crazy person is that? Look, look, where is her God? I'm crying, but I'm sowing. I'm crying, but I'm sowing. My back hurts, but I'm sowing. Some of you look at me like I lost my mind, but I'm trying to help you understand. He's sowing. Why? Because that's the only way I'm going to have a song of joy sometime. I'm sowing because I've got a Cyrus too. God's already seen today. I've got tomorrow coming. And if I'm going to enjoy tomorrow, if I'm going to rejoice tomorrow, I better sow some seed today because you see God's in control. I want to break through. I want to get out. I want to see the answer. I'm sowing. I'm planting. You know what God says? I know the wind's blowing in your face. I know the sun's shining on your head. I know the clouds don't look like rain. But God says this, just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Why? Because God says, I've got a plan. <laughs> I've got something coming. I, you're going to have to apply your faith. You're going to have to be strengthened. You're going to have to do the right thing. But, but, but here's the promise. Here's what God says. Those who sow in tears will what? Reap with songs of joy. You're about to break out. <laughs> I'm about to break out. You're about to have a celebration. You're going to have to get everybody together and say, we're just going to praise God. We're just going to sing. We're going to laugh. We're going to shout. We're, we're going to act like we're having a dream. It's going to be so good. We can't imagine. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy. You know what's faith? You know what's important about this? What's important is that we kept our faith in God. We trusted God. You know what's important for you? You answered the call. You met the moment. It was tough. You were captive. You were carried away. You were led away. You were taken like a thief. But in the midst of it, you kept on sowing. Well, what do you sow? Look at, we're going to close with this because I want us to give some thanks. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6. Turn there with me. How do I sow? What do I sow? What does the believer sow? Well, you know that seed, the Bible is very clear. What is the seed? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Somebody say Word of God. It's the Word of God. So, so let me ask you a question. While you're walking through the hard time, listen, the hard time doesn't make you. It just reveals you. Anybody heard what I just said? The hard time doesn't make you. It just shows who you are. Everybody has a hard time. If you're living life, how many of you had a hard time in life? Can I see your hand? Let, let me ask you the other way. Now, remember, we're in the church. God Almighty is watching. We're under the presence of God right now. Anybody never had a hard time? You can raise your hand. I want to just look. Never had a hard time. Phyllis, have we ever had a hard time? <laughs> so what do you do? So what do you do? The hard time doesn't mean you're a Christian or not. There's this na- naivety. I hear people preach and teach the Bible. Like, if you're a Christian, you never have a hard time. What Bible did you read? You read about Paul, they beat him up, they knocked him down, they, you know, he's, you know, chased in the city, chased in the country, get on a boat, boat sinks, get on another boat, there's a hurricane, get on another boat, you know. There's Jesus, betrayed by those closest to him, nailed to a tree. Joseph, called by God, the brothers want to kill him, his wife's, his boss's wife lies about him, throw him into prison, helps the, the cupbearer get his job back, forgets about him. Well, I guess you didn't read those chapters. But at the end of Joseph's story, he said, what you meant to kill me, God meant it for good. 
See, God will take even what the enemy tries to do against you if you just keep sowing. If you just keep sowing. If you just keep sowing. So I'm asking you today, what's in your bag? And what are you sowing? Are you sowing? Well, God doesn't love me. God's forgotten about me. God never going to answer my prayer. I don't know why the Lord doesn't love me. I went to church and Sally Mae got her miracle. And Billy Bob got his miracle. And, and, and the deacons got their miracle. And, and the church mother got her miracle. And, and, and Jesse Duplantis got his miracle. I know some of you don't like that. He got the plane anyway. Why? And so, 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 uh, he got his miracle. And I didn't get my miracle. And I don't like the way that happens. Nobody asked you how it was going to happen. When your business anyway. And so he just keeps going on. So what are you sowing? 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 Huh? What are you sowing? Because I'm going to tell you, that's what you're going to be reaping right over there tomorrow. That's what's going to come in your door. Here's what I want to sow. I've got me a Cyrus. It's already gone on ahead of me. I'm going to sow today because tomorrow's coming. I'm going to have a lot of seed in the ground. I'm going to have a big harvest. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Though the enemy comes against me in one direction, he's going to flee from me in seven directions. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He prepares me a table in the presence of my enemy. There's no temptation taking me but such as common to God. And God will not let me tempted beyond what I am able, but will with my temptation provide the way out for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And by the way, I'm just going to thank you while I'm doing this. Let me grab some thank yous out of this bag. I'm sowing because I'm tired of Christ. I'm not going to cry all my life. I'm not going to be captive all my life. I'm going to sing again. I'm going to laugh again. I'm going to rejoice again because our God is faithful. Come on. Let's all stand up and praise God today. Everybody, come on. Come on. Let's all stand up. Musicians, come on up. Worship. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Come on, guys. God is for us today. God is with us today. God's got this thing in his hands today. Let's go to the last song, Joey. God's with us today. He's with us today. Come on, stay on your feet. We're going to just end it here. See, this is what he said. Listen, listen, I'll read it. Stay on your feet. What do I sow? Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that I can sow even with my tears. That I can keep going even when it's hurting. And I can keep determining what's coming next by what I'm doing right now. Right now. How many believe God's for you today? He loves you as much as he loves those captives that were in Babylon. And if he's got to raise up Cyrus, come on. You, you know what? I could say so much more. I just got to close. You, this, this country is blessed because of you. You get that? They're ungodly people that are blessed because you needed some help. Do you, you see this? There are people that wouldn't have what they have, be where they are. But that God did it because you needed it when you got to a certain place. He's an amazing God.
200 years before Osiris was born, God said, I'm going to raise a man up. His name's going to be Cyrus because I got a promise to keep that I'm going to lead him out. God's faithful. God's faithful.